We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Okay, my childhood is right here in the studio. If you're the MTV generation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. Welcome on into To The Point with Kristen Bird, and I am so excited. You don't even understand. Vincent already knows what he's getting into, because I've already <laughs> started going, but what about, but what about? Uh, legendary. Director, choreographer, dancer, Vincent Patterson. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I got all excited because they put up a, a photo of Beat It, and I was like, all I said to Vincent, I go, come on. <laughs> and I was like, you have no idea what this whole hour is going to be. I'm like giddy and sorry. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> so sweet. Um, well, what we like to do here at uh, Popcorn Talk and To The Point and here with Dance Network is really kind of like get your story and, and kind of go back to your early days of training because I think it's, it's interesting for dancers that are out there today. Mm-hmm. Traditional um, training was very different than what we're seeing yes. um, in the market today. I mean, even for me, I sit there and I look back and I'm like, I couldn't compete in the professional market at all right now with what I, what the skills that I need. So tell, take me back, like when did you start dancing? Well, I know people think this is very strange, but I didn't start dancing until 24 years old. What is it with you men and being able to just like 18, 24, 30? Well, for me, it was I grew up in a, I grew up in a little tiny neighborhood outside of Philadelphia along the Delaware River, and people didn't dance. Um, not just guys, women. We just didn't do it. I mean, we did it in high school or at the high school dances and stuff like this, but there was no concept of ballet or jazz or anything like this. I don't even remember seeing dance, you know, until much later. Um, What happened was uh, I had graduated from college. I spent all of my early life basically studying acting and directing. That was my dream. Dance didn't figure into it at all. I wasn't into musicals or anything. It was just really acting and directing. That was all I wanted to do on stage predominantly. But I was living in Tucson, and I was working, and I kept passing this little ballet studio all the time, and I was not physical. I was not an athlete. I was a theater mole. And um, I opened up the door one day, and these young, like maybe 10 to 17-year-old kids were in there doing ballet class, and I thought, wow, that looks kind of cool. So I asked the lady who ran the studio, a woman named Stephanie Steigers, uh, do you have adult classes? No, we don't, but if you want to try, you can come into a class like this, and that's what I did. I started with young kids, and I stayed in Tucson for about five years training and would come back here uh, on and off, studied with Bill and Jackie Landrum, um, Joe Tremaine, people like this. Legendary uh, Joe Tremaine, yeah. Yeah, great. And um, then I decided I wanted to see what I could do with the dance, and I moved out here and a while to get going, but that's what I did. How old were you when you moved to Los Angeles? 27. Yeah. yeah I'm astonished. 27. That's incredible. So you're, you moved to Los Angeles at 27, and you're thinking, are you moving here to act or to dance or kind of like whatever kind of falls in your lap at that point? Well, I was really heading towards the dancing. That's what okay. I wanted to do. That's why I, I made a decision either go to L.A. or go to New York. And I came from the East and I didn't want, I hate the cold. So I didn't want to go back. So I thought, let me move to L.A. And, uh, you know, it was very difficult. I, I had made a vow to myself that if I had to do anything else but dance, I was going to get out of that business and try something else. And I auditioned, I don't even know, for... Nine months. I moved here in January. I got my first job at the end of September. 
And um, what was that first job? Do you remember? Yes, it was a choreographer named Joe Bennett, and it was a television special that starred Dick Van Dyke. And um, <clears throat> so, That's a great first job. It was very, very <laughs> cool. In fact, what happened was I. I'd be, just be honest, I hadn't eaten in two days, and um, I didn't know what I was going to do, and I had decided, I'm, all right, I'm going to get out of this business, and a friend took me for lunch, and at this restaurant, they said, we're looking for waiters, and I thought, well, I've been a waiter, I've done that before, let me do that, so. Uh... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, I went to apply. They said, you have to come back at night to do it. And um, I thought I would take my last dance class with the Landrums. And I got a phone call, and it was Joe Bennett, and he's not around here anymore, but he was a major choreographer at the time and teacher. And he said, uh, I'm looking for one more guy for a TV show. Can I come and watch you in class? And I said, oh, my God, you don't even know. Please come and watch me in class. And he watched me for about 20 minutes and gave me the gig. And it just kept going from there. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it's very cool. It's an honest story. True. So here you are. You're finally a professional dancer at 27, though. I mean, that, you know, you think now these kids are 10 and they all have agents and they're all working. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can yeah. tell that there's, a, there's been a, a little shift in the business. A too. Little big a little shift, shift in the shift, business. Yeah. Um, after that, um, did that sort of give you the confidence? Did it really get the ball rolling with the rest of your career? Oh, yeah. You know, I kind of, um, I, I think that I had an edge on, on a lot of dancing gigs because I had this acting training and that's what a lot of dancers didn't have. So like, for instance, you mentioned Beat It. Well, when I came to the audition for Beat It, I knew it was about gangs and having been an actor, I came dressed similar to what I looked like in the video and I came into the room and all of these guys were in stretched jazz pants and leg warmers and tank tops and and I looked like that character, you know. So I noticed right away that Michael Jackson kind of looked over, like said to Michael Peters, like, who's that guy? Michael Jackson likes that, too. Yes, he does. Yes. He was very into the, you know, the filmic attitude uh, aspect of everything that he did. So character was very important for him. And luckily, I could dance. And so I wowed them at the audition, and I got that role. At what point did, how many years had you been in L.A. by the time you got beat it? Uh, let me see. I came at uh, I started working at the end of 78 here, I guess, and that was about 83, 83 so yeah. about five years. Okay. Yeah. So I had done a lot of TV, some commercials. I had danced uh, Touring the World with Shirley MacLaine. Um, yeah, I, once I started, I, I got into it fast. People liked me, and I, they, I was just a new kid on the block, even though I was 28 at that time when I really started dancing here, but... I always looked younger, so that was a that was a good thing for me. And then having the maturity, though, I yeah. think people appreciate that. You've got the work ethic. You yeah. know what it takes to show up for the job and make <laughs> it happen. But I think that the dance world, too, and it still exists to this day, there's a lot of networking, and if a choreographer or director likes you, mm-hmm. they'll bring you on to their next project. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and that's the way I always am as a choreographer or a director. That, you know, you want – every project that we do is so hard to – it's just so difficult, no matter how in love you are with the people, the, the the situation, the project itself. It's always difficult from start to finish, you know. And so the more you can find not only talented but responsible people who know how to laugh and laugh and laugh but turn it around like that and focus like that, those are the people you want in your creative family. You know? So I was fortunate enough to be invited into several people's creative families and uh, – and very fortunate to make my own creative family when it came my turn. Yeah, it talks about how important that is in the business. And I always tell people, I'm like, show up, be polite, be respectful, because people remember this. And, and if you want to keep working, you oh, want yeah. to be that dancer. Well, they actually remember, and, and I've been teaching a class on um, 13 steps to getting to booking that audition, you know. And one of the main things I stress is that me or any director or choreographer looks at you from the minute you walk in the room. So be aware, you know, from the very first moment, because we want to find people who are going to make our jobs easy. 
That makes yeah. a, that's a Easier. great advice. Easier, <laughs> I know. It's, it's a hard job to begin with. You were Michael Peters' assistant choreographer. Was that right from the get-go on Beat It? Or did you join him with, with Thriller? Well, what happened was Michael wanted to... Uh, I used to dance beside Michael for a choreographer named Lester Wilson often, and um, who has since passed, unfortunately. But he, Lester brought this whole style of dancing to the Hollywood scene, which was sensual, sexy, um, men even having the uh, sensuality that had not been seen before. And uh, Michael Peters and I danced often side by side or mm-hmm. together, or, and, and we became very good friends. And he really wanted to begin to choreograph. I had just worked with Shirley MacLaine and had some money for the first time in my life. Hooray! <laughs> Thank you, Shirley! <laughs> and um, so Michael was teaching at a studio called Dupre's, which doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. on 3rd. And a lot of us got our start there, actually, with uh, teaching, uh, I mean, studying with great teachers there. So I said to Mike, why don't you let me, I will just fund us for a little while and pull a group of 10 people together and let's play. You choreograph and we will be your clay. And that's what happened. And he started to find movement and then we started to do little presentations and choreographic presentations for directors to see Michael's work, Michael Peters this is. And then things started to fall in place with him. So when he started to get gigs, I started to assist him. I was assisting him in class, so then I moved on to assist him. But I always had to audition. I never just got the gig. You he know. didn't just hand it to you. He couldn't. They were too important. And it was for people like Michael Jackson and Bob Giraldi and, and, and John Landis. And these, mm-hmm. these were directors who were very reputable, and they wanted to see the audition process, and they wanted to have a hand in it as well. And Bob Giraldi directed... Beat it, he and John Landis it. was Thriller, was just so thriller. everyone knows. Because yeah. um, I've seen the making of Thriller, that documentary they did with John Landis. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you guys. It, I wonder if it's out there on YouTube. It must I be. I think so. It must yeah, be. I, I think so. had that, and I was joking with Vincent earlier. I had the. We had a VCR <laughs> that was a top loader. It didn't like just like pop out. It, the VCRs don't even exist anymore. And it had a remote control with a cord that we would take to our couch, and I'd record it because they'd be like, "Thriller's on in 15 minutes," right. and you would run home from school, you guys, and go and see it. Exactly. But also the documentary was playing constantly on rotation yeah. on MTV. I have seen it a thousand times. I can <laughs> I can probably do a couple moves that Michael did when he was like rehearsing with Michael Peters in the studio. I can remember. <laughs> Amazing time. Amazing time. It really was. Can you talk about that time? Because um, this is where I do get giddy because I was, you know, a kid and I was dancing and, you know, I, we would take jazz class and these moments, um, these iconic moments, especially Michael, but countless others who were also doing dance and videos um this was our so you think you can dance this was our exactly world of dance right talk about what it was like to participate in that because i am green with envy well you know mtv was just beginning and it's a very different mtv than it is right now it was an mtv that was about presenting artists and their new music and uh everybody once michael and madonna actually started to make these incredible videos every artist n- knew they needed to have a music video so mtv was this phenomenal station where you could just turn on and watch your favorite artists all day long all night long doing what they did best um as a dancer and then as a choreographer it was exciting for me because dance was really not that prevalent much before mtv came back around you know i mean it had kind of faded away a bit and um, it was sort of what our parents watched of Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and people like that but then there was a big gap in there and MTV actually brought dance back to the states and the world and what Michael Jackson did with his videos was he he brought men into the dance world in a whole different way you know prior to that it seemed like if you wanted to be a dancer everyone thought oh he's gay he's gay he's gay whether you were or not Mm -hmm. you know once Michael's work started coming out and Michael brought in street dancers and all kinds of dancers and all physicality of dancers people realized that they could get involved and men realized that they could dance they didn't have to hide in the shadows straight or gay you know they could dance and and they could have dreams and aspirations about dancing and being in a music video and being in an eventually a film. So it was a very exciting time. We, When we first did Beat It, 
everything was very green. I mean, even Michael Jackson, I remember there weren't people when we rehearsed at a studio called Debbie Reynolds over here in the Valley. Of course. He didn't have a bodyguard. When he walked through the halls, nobody stopped him. When he went outside, there was nobody there for an autograph. I mean, this was way, this was the beginning of it all, you know. I remember when Beat It aired, and I was in a little tiny village in Mexico, and I was walking down this dirt street, and we went into a little bar, and they had MTV on this little tiny screen. And the bartender behind was a Mexican guy, and he's looking at me, and he's, and he's, going, oh, 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 oh. You're the guy. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my gosh. If they recognize me in this tiny little Pueblo in Mexico, what is life going to be for Michael Jackson? And then we saw what life became for Michael Jackson. Both good and bad. Both good and bad. But every new video that we did, like you said, you know, we'd run home and wait to see what was going to be the new thing that's going to come on Mm -hmm. and all get excited about it. And if you were participating and you were a part of it, it was even more exciting. We never knew, is this going to be huge? Is this not going to be huge? How's it going to be received? But when Michael's videos, I, I shouldn't say video either, even, he liked to call them short films. Short films. Yeah. Well, Thriller so, certainly was, for yeah. sure. Well, and Smooth Criminal. Smooth Criminal, of you course. Know, I mean, so when each time these would come out, wonderful things would happen for those of us involved, and we would get more jobs and more work, and and uh, it was it was an amazing time. We never knew what was ahead of us. It was always a surprise. It was always hard work, but it was always so exciting to be able to you know be on MTV and have every your friends all over the world see you on MTV. It was like oh in my god, in constant rotation, constant <laughs> rotation. Well, oh, and that's the thing too. You know, beat it leads to Thriller, and Thriller was like I mean, this was peak Michael Jackson, and I. I it, for anyone that didn't live through it, it's so hard to explain mm. because everyone right now is all excited. Like Taylor Swift has a new album coming out. You know, I think people got excited about Beyonce. It was ten times the excitement when um, Michael dropped that album, dropped that video. We were all doing the dance. Yeah, we see it in movies every once in a while. Someone yeah. will do it in a party scene, and it's absolutely. What was Thriller like? Because. John Landis is directing. Mm-hmm. Michael Peters is choreographing. You're assisting, right? Mm-hmm. This is a really big deal. Did it feel big when you guys were filming it? Yes. Well, it felt much bigger than Beat It, for instance, because we saw what happened with Beat It, and mm-hmm. we saw how huge it became. So when Thriller was happening, we just we knew already that Michael Jackson, because it was Michael Jackson, that everybody in the world was going to see it. So even though nobody recognized any of us as zombies, uh, we still had a fantastic time. Oh yeah, there I am. But, um, the scary part about that was, you know, you would you'd go in, you'd get in the makeup chair, and it would take about two and a half to three hours for each of us to get our makeup done, and you would actually see like, oh my god, I'm getting older, I'm getting older. Oh, now I'm dead. You're decaying. Here I am decaying. And oh, guys, my god. <laughs> makeup by Rick Baker, Academy Award winner. Uh, Rick Baker. Uh, yeah. to the, I've interviewed him too. He's he's witnessed all of this too. Because I'm like Rick Baker, you have to sit down and talk with me about this. Incredible. It was an incredible team that was assembled. It really was, and it the the dancers were the creme de la creme. You know, the elite of L.A. And uh, you know, it 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 was this very special, very special event. I mean, you know, when you're shooting it, you're shooting it. You don't really know what it is. You don't know what it's going to look like when it's finished. You just have a general idea. You have a feeling, and you think, oh, this is going to be really great. This is going to be fascinating. When it came out, we were all blown away. We had no idea that it was going to be as incredible as it was. And, uh, yeah, it, it, Thriller was an amazing time. And amazing all the appliances time. that were done with the makeup, uh, they were high-tech at the time. I mean, now oh, yeah. it would be all CGI, but at the time, yeah. this was a big deal with what we created for, you know, all of Michael's face and the throbbing and everything. Oh, yeah. And we all had our own teeth uh, plates, dental plates done with our own teeth. We were supposed to give them back, but I kept mine. Oh, you did. Oh, yes, I did. Yes! Were you, like, scrolling that away from, like, wardrobe? I don't know where my teeth 
went? I have no idea. I, I sat them know. down over there, you know. <laughs> is it locked up in a safe, I hope? <laughs> or is it a museum? Like, do you have, like, a shelf with, like, your rotten No, teeth? they're just in the closet. But, you know, <laughs> your teeth are in the closet. Um, and you realize that, like, every single dance school at their dance recital at the end of the year, everyone did Thriller that yeah, year. Yeah, they absolutely did. And they continued to for many, many, many years. And I think it's probably still cranked out. Yeah. Why not? It is. Because it, no one's going to be upset that that... Yeah. number is you know brought out again you're like yes no it's fantastic for me it was exciting um it was during beat it and thriller that i got to know michael jackson and hang out with him not not at home but on the set and <coughs> you know i'm a friendly person and michael was very very shy and so i spent a lot of time trying to make him comfortable mm-hmm. and talking to the dancers and come on you guys go talk to him because he's really shy and he's nervous and embarrassed and you know so i think that energy of us getting to know each other a little bit <coughs> is um i got a call one night and 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 he said can you come and meet me at a studio and i went to a recording studio around the corner in hollywood from where i live and he played just the musical version of smooth criminal and he oh. said what do you think of it and i said well it's very cool what are you doing with it and he said oh i want to do a short film with it so i said cool well he handed me, I think it was a cassette at that time. A cassette. People don't even know what a cassette is, right? <laughs> they used to break and you'd have to loop them back. Exactly. <laughs> Take those pencils and turn them Twist around. Twist them. The right. worst. Oh, my worst. God. And I said, what do you want me to do with this? And Do you want me to dance in it? And he said, no, I want you to take this and listen to it as much as you need. Let the music talk to you. Let mm-hmm. the music tell you what it wants to be. I want you to conceive it choreograph it and direct it and I walked out of there in a daze I had I was just shocked you know and that kind of began my next 12 years with Michael Jackson doing Smooth Criminal so I mean that's that's really big um and and you know we should say at at a certain point too we also lost Michael Peters uh to AIDS so you know you were kind of like sort of Michael's next chapter of his career um, Smooth Criminal, I think, was really epic, obviously because of the short film aspect, but also because, and everyone's, I'm sure, asked you about this, those shoes. The lean. The, the lean, the anti-gravity lean. Now, is it, it's true that he created, has a patent on those shoes. Is that correct? I didn't use those shoes when you I didn't did use Smooth the, Criminal. You didn't. Uh-uh. We used the shoes when I directed the Bad Tour, which was Michael's first tour. Okay. Um you know, I, t- I told you I came from theater, so I, I knew a lot of theater tricks. And um, I wanted to do something. You know, Michael always wanted me to do something the world had never seen before. Right. So I put a couple things in here that I thought were very unique. The first one was when he walks in the door and he flips the coin across the room that lands in the jukebox. Um, <clears throat> but I had this idea that I wanted to do something really wacky with people. So I talked to the technical crew. And we devised a way that these guys were hooked up to wires and they could lean and then pull them back up and then do the beginning of a move and then cut out to a wide shot, get those wires away and continue the dance. That's how it was done. Yeah. Oh, I love that. But later when when on the stage versions, everything was done with shoes and, you know, slide in. And so did, did you help Michael with that? Did Michael create it? Like who... Because I, I know that there's a patent out on those shoes. Yeah, Michael did patent it. I, I don't know. I didn't have anything to do with it. The I, technical crew, yeah, probably for some, that. Yeah, some inventor, tour. some inventor did it. I'm sure, but I don't know who it was. I don't remember. It's so spectacular to you know anyone that was able to see it in person. It really was such a, a fabulous trick, though, for the stage. But it was so cool. And I just saw a picture recently of those guys leaning and there was a photo of Obama that somebody had photoshopped and he had on a uh, like a smooth criminal yeah. gangster hat and he's doing the lean along with all the guys and I <laughs> I thought it was so fantastic I love that I love that I love that like these moments and you know especially since Michael isn't with us anymore which still mm. you know even all these years later I gotta say it's still kind of hard to wrap my brain around it is hard to wrap my brain um, around but I think what people need to understand is how collaborative Michael was. Um, but he was also, he had ideas. He was an artistic genius. Oh, yeah. um, and the people that he surrounded himself were, I mean, you have to, you're a genius as well. I'm, I'm going to throw that at you. You don't have to you know, be modest or anything. But um, he wasn't just like grabbing some random person off the street. He really wanted people who um, you guys could rise up together. 
Can you talk about his artistic process? Yeah, he really trusted you, you know, and the way that both Michael Peters and I worked with him, um, we would create 80% of the piece, and then uh, for me, I'll talk about my process with Michael, I would, Michael Jackson, I would leave pockets where Michael would then do his own dancing, his own style that I wouldn't touch, Mm -hmm. you know. Excuse me. I would let him do whatever he wanted. But I would create everything when he was dancing with other people and then give him those moments for solo times for him to do what he wanted. And conceptually, he pretty much always just kind of let it up, left it up to you. And then, of course, you'd sit and discuss things and he would have ideas like mm-hmm. in Smooth, for instance, you know. I would shoot what I was doing, and then he was doing the bad album, so we had like maybe three weeks of rehearsal without him even there. I would shoot it, I would take it and show him at his house on Havenhurst, and he would say, oh, I love it, but I think you need more dancers, don't you? And I said, yeah, so there's ten more dancers, and then we would play, and then I would go back. I think you need more dancers, don't you? Sure, so I think we wound up having like 50 by the end as opposed to ten. Isn't that a dream for a choreographer? Just to be like, just add more, bring in more. Oh my God, you know. So that's kind of the way we worked. I would work with everybody there on the set and and create this piece and create these characters and create this story and then work with Michael, uh, showing him what was going on in a private studio, the two of us together, and then put him into the mix. And he just, that's what would happen. And he melted in with everybody, you know, Mm. so beautifully. And the one other thing I'll say about him and the dancing aspect of working with Michael was when you stood next to Michael and Michael started dancing it was you could tangibly feel these sparks shooting off his body which was something I have never experienced either before or since we'll never see it again never not in our lifetime no 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 there's a lot of imitators but there was only one Michael Jackson I 100% agree with you on that Um, I have to ask this question and uh, it came up I interviewed Luther Brown who has worked with Janet quite a bit and he said that when he's worked with her she asked for a class first and I heard a rumor that Michael likes people he worked with to give him a dance class first even before the rehearsal process did he ever do that with you no he never did that with me at all um we would do a little warm-up but not really any nothing a full class class or anything i know on on sundays however he would spend the day working with a lot of street guys Mm -hmm. and that's how he would create this other vocabulary for himself that was something that he fasted every sunday and he danced with these other guys from the street on Sunday. That was his Sunday routine for years and years and years. Wow. You know. Always a student. But I will say another thing that's a great thing for dancers to learn. It's oftentimes, when I was choreographing a lot more than I do now, because I'm mostly directing, you know, I would give something that might be a little difficult to dancers, and I would see how frustrated they would get. And rather than stop themselves and, and dedicate themselves to just working on four counts or eight counts or 12 counts, they would sort of gloss over that like it was going to be fine in the future. Mm -hmm. This is what Michael Jackson did. I would teach something to Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson would, a count of eight or a count of 12, Michael Jackson would stand in front of a mirror for three, four hours and repeat that same movement again and again and again and again, ask that nobody interrupted him until he had it so perfectly that it felt like he had just breathed it for the first time. You that know? muscle memory must have been incredible. The focus, the focus, you know. You watch this man and you thought, besides the music, you thought, this is, this is why. This is why he's the greatest performer in the entire world. Who else works like this? Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is something that it, it's shocking um, in some ways because it was it was such a monofocus, yeah, like yeah. hyper focus. I guess yeah. I should yeah. say. Yeah. And um, it's what got him to the top, and it what it's what brought him all the fame. But I think at some point it was like so much fame, mm-hmm. and you know, you see, you sacrificed a personal life for that. He could never again go out like a normal person and just I know go to the mall or go shopping or that's I, hard. Once I. I was leaving and I was going to a party and it was just with some dancers, you know, and I said, um, he goes, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to a party. You want to come? He said, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I've never really been to a party. He said, I, I wouldn't know what to do to a, at a party. 
I said, what do you mean you would? I said, what about all the music openings and record openings and CD things you do and all? He goes, yeah, but those aren't real parties with like real people, you know? He said, one day I'd like to just like go to a real party and stand behind the curtain and look and see what people do. <sighs> breaks my heart. I'm going to cry. It just breaks yeah. my heart, you know, that here was this man who gave so much to the world. Every other sentence that came out of his mouth was, we've got to do this for the fans. We've got to do this for the fans, you know. And yet his life was so restricted. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it was, it's really sad. It is really sad. When, as a, a story, as you look at it as a whole, it's just incredible. Um, mm. You worked with him for 12 years. Did you see him beyond those 12 years ever, like, you know, here and there? I did. I worked with him till the end of the uh, end of the 90s. I, I directed and choreographed a video called Blood on the Dance Floor mm -hmm. uh, that became huge around the world, but things were getting weird with him and Sony and all of this stuff was yes. going down and they were trying to get rid of him and he was under a lot of pressure. And um, uh, so... Um, I saw, I saw him through that time, and then in the early 2000s, he had called me because it was a big event uh, celebrating Thriller at the Tribeca Film Festival, and he asked me if I would put some people together and take it to Tribeca and do it, and we did. And then I saw him one time after that, about 2005, maybe, something like that, mm -hmm. and he wanted to do another video, and he wanted me to conceive it and direct it. Um, but he was having a lot of struggles with the record companies and stuff, and it never came about. But that was the last I saw him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, and then we lost him in 2009. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I've got to imagine people that, you know, like you, who knew, knew him, worked with him so closely. It's still, it's still such a great loss. It's, it's a huge loss, you know. And if I think about it too much or I talk about it too much, I tend to get very teary-eyed. Mm -hmm. um, because truly, Michael was the person who was the instigator for my entire career, yeah. you know. So much of what I did with Michael was my calling card, and it opened the doors to everything. From, everything. From live tours to directing operas. I mean, it was just people just... It's, it was Michael Jackson was the calling card for me. Well, that's exactly you know. it. You can say beat it. You can say thriller. You can say smooth criminal. Everyone's going to know what the that is. The way you make me feel. Yeah, Dirty uh, Diana. The Dirty Diana. The way you make me feel. Black or white. I did oh, I the love Super that one. Bowl. I did the blonde. I mean the um, bad tour. I did for him. I did some commercials for him for Japan. Yeah. Um, oh, we did so many things together. The Grammy Awards. The yeah, so much stuff. Huge, yeah. huge stuff. I mean, but. Fun. For you, I mean, what amazing Fun. memories. I, oh my God. And all the dancers you got to hire for that, too, which is really incredible. I have to ask, since they were friends, did uh, working with Michael open the door for Madonna? Uh, well, no, that's not... I, I was actually... There was a... Um, there is a an incredible commercial director named Joe Pitka. Of course. And um, I did many, probably close to 200 commercials with him. He's still working and still killing it, the commercial yes, game, he too. Is. Yes. yes, he is. And he's a dear friend. And... Um, we had done uh, The Way You Make Me Feel together, mm -hmm. and he was getting ready to do a commercial, a Pepsi commercial with Madonna, and uh, she was being a little difficult. She didn't want to dance, and she didn't want to sing. Oh, was this the, the controversial one, yes, too? Yes, it was. Well, the commercial was not controversial. The, the, the reason it was controversial was it, we used the music to like a prayer, mm -hmm. and like a prayer was the controversy because it yes. was a black saint, you know. And, and the Catholic Church... Always, like, in that era, you yeah. guys, the Catholic Church was all over Madonna. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he called me to come down there and uh, and work with him on the commercial and try to get her to move. And <laughs> when he first introduced me to her, she just ignored me and said, I don't need a choreographer and walked by. <laughs> and he said, hang out, please. So they were having a technical situation that was a kind of a problem. She had to do a spin and land right front as the camera was coming up on a crane, and they couldn't get it together. And I said to Joe, I can fix this in five minutes, and everybody will be happy. And he said, get the hell in there and do it. Wasting so, time on commercials, too. <laughs> time is money. <laughs> so I did, and I went to her, and I said, I'm not choreographing anything. I can just fix this, and you can get out of here. And she said, well, fix it. So... I did, and she did it once, and it was perfect, and they got out of there. And the next day, he said, just do, I want you to choreograph some stuff for the dancers in the background. So I was doing it, and we were standing there, and the dancers are facing me, and all of a sudden, I see the dancers looking behind me, and I, I turn around, and there's Madonna. She's in her hair, it's in curlers, and she's in a big pink robe, I think, and, and she's going, what are you doing? And I said, it's not for you, it's not for you. Don't she worry. Goes, 
no, I want to learn it. I like it. So that started my time with Madonna. That started my career with Madonna. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so uh, when it came to Vogue, hello. Yeah. That was another, I, again, and, and introducing, I think this is super important, introducing really Voguing to the mainstream. Yeah. Really, really important. Well, it was incredible. You know, I was, um, she asked me to co-direct with her the Blonde Ambition Tour and choreograph it, and I choreographed it all. Um, the first day I went down, uh, she was getting ready to shoot uh, Vogue in two days. And the movement, the specific movements, were put together by two of her dancers who were actual Voguers from New York, who really were Voguers. Jose. Jose Lewis. and Louis. And, um, My name is Lewis. <laughs> oh, I know all about this. Uh, yeah, they, they did an album, you guys, which was amazing. Wait, I was living in New York City at the time. It was amazing. Oh, my God. My name is Lewis. I have that in my head all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they were incredible, you know. And it was a, it was a new form to me, too, you know. So um, they weren't really choreographers. They were freestyle dancers. And so what I helped them do was shape it into a dance, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, piece it together so it actually looked like a piece of choreography. And um, so that's what I helped do for the video. And then I had to pu- I put it in the tour and I recreated it as a fashion show. And then after the tour, she called me if she was going to do the MTV Awards and said, I need to do, I want to do Vogue again. And I want to do it with, you know, Nikki and Donna. That was her sing, her backup yep. singers. I want to do them in, in suits and I want the guys in skirts. And I said, well, you know, Gender bending before. Yeah. Yeah, let's try something else. What? I said, I don't know. I'll go into a studio, and if I can come up with something, I'll let you know. So I went into the studio, and I started playing around, and I got this bizarre idea. Madonna, you know, as we well know, was image, image, image. She liked to do something different every time Reinventing we herself. saw her. Yep. Every time we saw her. So... I flashed on Marie Antoinette, and I thought, you know, these guys in the court are very foppish, and and I had these fans at home that I never used. Yeah, yeah, so I put this together, and she came down to the studio and uh, saw what I was doing. The two of us played for a while, and she said, I love it, let's do it. And I remember, this was fun, there was an earthquake when when we were rehearsing together, just the two of us, and I grabbed her, and we stood underneath the door frame, because that's what they say to do in an earthquake, and I just remember hugging her for, you know, while we were standing there together, and laughing, laughing, laughing while this earthquake was going on, but... No, that was an incredible collaboration, too, for years. Uh, well, I have to ask because, uh, first of all, for people that have not seen Madonna's Truth or Dare, the documentary came out of this tour. Yeah. Um, and then there was a follow-up, uh, Strike a Pose, and we missed each other. I worked with Carlton and Kevin and Lewis. Um, I think you mon- moderated a panel maybe the day before me, oh, and I was the day yeah. after, because um, I had interviewed them probably a, like about a month before and they said come and moderate because you're such a ridiculous <laughs> super fan I think I scared them a little but they were nice enough to invite me to moderate their panel oh. um, talk about working with this group of dancers because for me I was living in New York City so you know and part of the film really talks about what was happening in New York gay rights that time mm-hmm. Madonna and the messages she was delivering yeah. so I really understood kind of the sort of the hot spots that they were hot issues that they were talking about um but these dancers resonated to so many young kids who didn't understand, you know, they're living in Iowa and they didn't have a voice of, like, right. being a dancer or being gay. Or, you know, at this point, we, we come to find out later, three of them were HIV positive yeah. and didn't even were I communicating never knew. that. I never knew that. No idea, right? No idea. Yeah, no idea. Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I mean... When I worked with her on Express Yourself, she had asked me to direct the tour and choreograph the tour. About six weeks later, I heard that she was having an audition. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what's going on? I'm not having the audition. I'm not doing the tour. So my agents contacted her manager, and, she, and they said, well, she's gone another way. She's hired a New York choreographer, and that's what they're going to do. So the, that choreographer, Madonna, chose the dancers. I had nothing to do with oh, it. Oh, you didn't even know. They worked for five weeks, and... They hadn't finished one piece, and Madonna called me frantically and said, I made a huge mistake. Please, I'm begging you, would you come and do this show? I, I've got tour dates set up, and we have nothing. We, we're, we have nothing. Can you come and do this? 
And I didn't even know who was dancing on this tour. And I walked in and I saw this amazing collection of men that could do anything you wanted. I mean, even though these guys were voguers, I mean, Lewis was an incredible ballet dancer too, you know? And, and um, uh, I mean, and, and Jose both. I mean, Jose's extension was spectacular, you and know? And still is, I think. Oh, my God. He's in oh ridiculous shape. So to have this clay in front of me, and I only had 23 days to create 17 pieces, conceive them and create them. Uh, it was maddening. So thank God I had that level of, of talent in front of my face and in my hands. And I mean, you, you talk I, Kevin and Carlton on one side, and then you've got Lewis and Jose on the other side. And and slam and uh, people, they could do anything I mm -hmm. wanted from ballroom to ballet to gram to street funk you know well the fact that you're you're creating all of these numbers these were high production numbers oh, too yeah. with lots of costume changes I remember um, when I interviewed you know Kevin and Carlton initially they were both saying one of us couldn't go down with an injury or an illness mm -hmm. or anything else like that there were no understudies no. there was no one to cover someone else's track that was it no and for Carlton at the time, he was HIV positive. He was like, I was hiding it, you know, and two others were hiding yeah. it. And, you know, you think about that. The medications at the time were much, much different than they oh are today. God. So for them to even get a cold yeah. was a huge deal. Yeah. And I think about, like, what you created for them was extremely physical. Extremely. And for her. I mean, you know, it was she had come up with the idea of blonde ambition. And I said, okay, if we're going to go with blonde ambition, a blonde's ambition, then we are going to really work this. And I said, you have always called yourself a dancer, Madonna, and I've really not seen you do that much dancing in any of your videos. I've seen you hop around a little bit. And, Rolling the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, singing a gondola. And <laughs> We've seen it skip, all. Skip down the street, <laughs> yep. you know. But you keep saying you're a dancer, so let's dance. And she did. She put herself out and she did it. And I, I mean, I don't think, I mean, well, fortunately, what we got to do was change the face of pop concerts. I mean, before us, there was nothing like this. And now that's all rock and roll pop concerts are, is, is everything that Madonna and I began, bringing art and um, theater and, and fashion and all of this to the stage. And so I'm, well, always be grateful to her for that always. and you have it now you have this documentary too that also you know you have those memories too which i, I love i i this is so embarrassing but i had that on vc uh, vhs tape too and i watched it over and over and over and over and over <laughs> i was like repeating moments to carlton and he was like what what are you doing i'm like no I, you don't understand like my roommate and i we were both dancers and we would watch it non-stop uh. I was like, I can tell you, even um, Sharon, who did the makeup, yeah. I interviewed her probably about two years ago, oh and I'm like, Mama, God. Mama makeup. And right. People are like, what? <laughs> you know, it's so beautiful to have, um, you know, with social media, you know, I get so many emails and Facebook messages from people who say, you know, both the work that I was fortunate enough to do with Madonna and with Michael Jackson changed people's lives, you know, mm -hmm. especially a lot of gay kids, especially a lot of gay guys who said, you know, had they not had these pieces to learn in their basement or in their bedrooms, I have a couple of people who have written to me and said, I would have killed myself yeah. for real. Yeah. And when you think about the weight of that, you know, I mean, we had no idea when we were creating it what it really meant for people. We were doing it because we loved the dance, we loved the art, and we mm -hmm. loved the music. But the repercussions of it and emotionally what it what it did for people is so far beyond pop culture it's 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 really an incredible thing and um we saw that and i'm sure you saw it in your panel too after everyone watched the movie there were a lot of people during the q a just standing up saying i don't have a question yeah, i just, just have one, a comment yeah. and i you need to know this and it's hard you know i'm a straight woman but listening to it it's hard not to be affected yeah. it you know it moves you because you're like holy cow it's so you know it's and it's funny we're still fighting in 2017 but it was way worse. Oh, yeah. Way worse in the 80s and 90s and even earlier than that. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating, but it's, it's wonderful that there's, there's these moments yeah. that save people or made people 
feel like I'm going to be comfortable and I'm going to be out and I'm going to be who I am. And feel worthwhile and yeah. feel vital and feel important and feel necessary to be alive and to think that dance and music gave them mm-hmm. that vitality and that confirmation to say, you know what, you're okay. Go out in the world and be who you are, yeah. you know. And so beyond all the artistic elements of it, just the psychological element, the emotional element of what we brought to the world, I, it was a real amazing time. It was a real amazing time. And I want to plug my book. I've just written do it, a book. Do it, do <laughs> it. I've written a book. It's called Icons and Instincts, and it's being um, published by Hatchet Press, and it'll be out probably within the next year. And uh, so I really go into all of these stories a lot deeper. And uh, it's not a tell-all. It's not that kind of book. But it does talk about the process and, and what all of these incredible people were like. Madonna, or Michael, Bjork, uh, Robin Williams. Uh, so many incredible artists I had the opportunity to play with. And um, to know a little bit more about their process helps all of us, not just as human beings, like we were just talking about, but as artists, you know, right. to learn a bit, get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so I'm really excited about the book. A good friend pushed me to do it. And I, oh, I love this. I'm going to be at your book signing. <laughs> I don't know when it is, but I'll be there. I don't either, but I'll be the dork be. that is like first in line <laughs> with their Sharpie. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> you can already see it. Oh. I'm not kidding. Um, no, well, you mentioned Robin Williams and uh, the yeah. Birdcage, uh, and there is that one iconic scene, like Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Like, <laughs> come on, uh, did you have one moment where you tried to keep a straight face, and it's got to be impossible? Well, this is what that was not written in the movie. Oh my god, that was that piece was not there. I had worked with Robin on. Um, uh, Comic Relief. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Comic Relief was a show that was a, a, a charity event that was on television for years. Mm-hmm. And I would always choreograph the opening number for Robin and Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg. I was on HBO every year. Yes, yes. it was. So um, when The Birdcage happened, I got in touch with Mike Nichols, who I did not know. And I said, Mike, this is the instinct part of my book. I said, my instincts say I'm the person to do this movie. And he flew me to New York and talked to me for a long time. And I wound up doing the movie. Well, while we were doing it, while we were working on this scene, the dancer's Luca Tomasini, who's a fantastic guy, too, and he's done a lot of work with me now. Uh, he lives in Italy, and he has an incredible career on his own. But um, And he and Kevin were partners in terms of TV stars in Italy for a long time. Oh, wow. So they're doing this scene. It didn't have this moment in it. And there was a break, and Robin said, Vincent, Vincent. He pulls me back behind the set, and he goes, Vincent, you got to help me out here. I'm so so frustrated playing the straight gay man. I need to do something funny, and I don't have anything funny in this whole movie. He needed a moment. Yes. So he said, can you think of something for me? And I said, all right, go back and do the next take. I'll put something together here. Come on back on the break. I put this crazy thing together. He came back on the break. I showed him what it was. We go back out. We didn't tell Mike Nichols at all. Or Elaine May, who wrote it. Mm-hmm. And we, the cameras roll, and they kept rolling, and Robin did this piece. Well, the first time we did it, everybody started laughing and screaming, and it was hilarious. And Mike Nichols said, that was fantastic, uh, Robin. And, and he said, no, Vincent did it. And he goes, well, that's fantastic, Vincent. And he said, but, you know, w- this is not in the movie, so let's just do it the way it should be. And Robin got down on his hands and knees and crawled across the set and said, <laughs> please, Mike, please let's shoot it, please. And Mike said, okay, we'll do what we have to do, and then we'll do a couple takes of this. But, guys, just it probably won't be in the film. So when, the, when it came out, it turned out that this was one of the moments that everybody talked about. And, uh, yeah, that was And people <laughs> will still talk surprise. about it. If you haven't seen the movie, at least go and find the clip on YouTube. Because it is, I mean, I remember being in the theater and just roaring with laughter. And Robin Williams, I mean, you, you would watch him on a talk show. And I've got to imagine on set, it's just like, it's all over the place. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Everyone's being made fun of. Um, another person that, you know, we've lost that you're just like, man, yeah. we're never going to see artistic genius, comedic genius like that again. I know. Fortunate, fortunate, fortunate to be there. Oh, man. Um, I have to ask another thing, because I did not realize you did this. Um, Give me love, give me love, give me kisses, give me love. Kiss of the Spider Woman on Broadway. I did. With Cheetah Rivera. With Cheetah Rivera. And then Hal Prince. And you co-choreographed with Rob Marshall. 
No, correct? Well, what happened was I choreographed that I choreographed the entire show okay. in Toronto originally, and then Rob came in for to do one number. Okay. Uh, when it went to New York, I wasn't available. Okay. For that, um, and so they brought Rob in, and Rob did one specific piece for Cheetah in there. Gotcha. Yeah. But but you guys, when you were nominated for the Tony, they yeah. put the two of you together. That's how it. Yeah, but I had, I, I'd never even met Rob, you know, that, and the only time I've how ever funny. really met him was at the Tony Awards. You're like, hi, we're nominated together. <laughs> Congratulations, sweet man. But really I mean, sweet man. what a what a cast and candor and Ebb music. Oh my um, God. That really is quite a collaboration. I saw I saw it on Broadway yeah. with Cheetah because you have to see Cheetah. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, and it was so funny because at the time they're like, "This is her big comeback." And did Cheetah ever really go away? Come yeah, on. excuse me, I don't think so. I no. just saw Cheetah a couple of weeks ago. I was blessed to get in a sort of a, a recognition award from Joe Tremaine, and uh, and uh, it was at his big dance convention in, in Orlando. Orlando. Fantastic! And, Congratulations. Uh, Maurice Hines got a recognition and I got a recognition and Cheetah was there. And so I hadn't seen Cheetah in years and years and years. And, you know, it was like no time had passed. We just were instantly bonding and hugging and sitting together and laughing and having a great time. What a phenomenal woman. And she is just as talented and beautiful and smart and gorgeous as she was when I worked with her on Kiss of the Spider Woman. What an incredible inspiration. Yeah, and I mean, legendary. That's just, just oh, another God. one that you're just like, oh, wow. Her talent is incredible. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you were able to do that. I didn't even realize. I was like, how did I not know this about you? <laughs> <laughs> how did that not happen? You know, I, a couple of questions. And, you know, this this was something that was brought up when, when I um, did Strike a Pose. You know, we lost an entire generation of dancers and choreographers to AIDS. And to me... Um, especially sort of in the latter half of the 90s, uh, early 2000s, dance kind of started tanking a little bit. Mm -hmm. We didn't see it as much in TV and film. And, you know, even the Broadway scene was, it was always there, Mm -hmm. but it felt tempered. Um, And I feel like some of the TV shows have certainly helped, ushered Mm -hmm. in a a new generation. But did you feel at that, uh, working in the industry, that there was kind of a gap? Yes, and um, I will confess something to you I you know after working at the pace and the the frantic beautifully frantic level that I had worked for years and years and years that's exactly what happened and and it was really after 9-11 as well Mm. and a lot of production went down and things stopped happening and and I couldn't get a gig I couldn't get a job which is crazy and I couldn't figure out what to do with myself and I didn't really know who I was as a human being as a person anymore because I was so used to working all the time and I only knew myself as a creative artist I didn't really know myself as a person and I was really really lost and I bought a gun and I went to a hotel room and I was gonna shoot myself in the head and um this crazy thing happened the telephone rang and the lady said do you want ice and I said what she said do you want ice and I said no thank you and but it brought me back to reality and and that's why I'm still here. But that was amazing. That, oh, and when does a hotel ever call you? I'm going to cry. When does a hotel ever call you and ask you for ice? I know. I, I know. know. Um, Holy cow. But that was during that period. And yeah. it was part of that. And it was part of, I think I've lost maybe close to 150 people through AIDS yeah. during that that late 80s, 90s period. and. I think it was just everything just mounting on top of one, you know, boom, 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 boom. And, but it also, you know, it was one of those, it, it well, changed my life again because I realized that I'm okay as who I am. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm, I'm me, I'm Vincent, and that's, that's okay. We need you, you know? here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. well, but but I, I don't think, it, it's so hard to understand, like, generation, generation, general, why can't I say it? Lization. Gener- <laughs> <laughs> Different generations, let's yeah. just say it that way, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now there's, there's medication that can keep you yeah. alive and keep you healthy for so long, where um, it, was, it was constantly in the news. We were losing big names, big people, actors, dancers. Dancers, choreographers, directors. Every week. Every single week. At that time, it was very, um, of course, like, you know, at the time, they were 
it didn't even have a name, guys, even before yeah. that. It was the gay flu for a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, and then before it finally had, you know, HIV positive or, you know, AIDS itself. Yeah. Um, and it was an epidemic for a while before they could sort of figure out ways. For a long for time. For a long time. And the people, especially in Hollywood and the Broadway community, they were going to funerals on a weekly basis. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. To, to see, I think for me, you know, I was a kid, but now being here where we are sort of reaching like peak madness mm. when it comes to dance and seeing it in all aspects and everything else and people continually working, um, it's wonderful to see it back. Mm. Absolutely. No, it's so good, you know, and I just judged the Emmy Awards, the choreography for <gasps> the Emmy Awards, and that was very exciting. Oh, and I want to know. No, no you're I know not going to know. Are you kidding? <laughs> we a vow of secrecy. Okay. You know? <laughs> I know, but you were on the panel. I'm going to the reception on Sunday. So, oh, good, yes. good. Yes, so, mm, all right, as a, as a judge on the panel, what do you look for? That's what you can answer. Well, you know, it was interesting. There were 22 people, and they went from people who were who I danced for years ago, back in the 80s, the 70s and the 80s were there, to young people, you know. So it was like this 21, 22 people that was like spanned mm-hmm. the dance world. And um, what was so interesting is, you know, we had so many conversations about, okay, are we judging choreography for camera are we judging choreography for the choreography are we judging you know what exactly are we looking at so it was so interesting and and it took all of us in all of this conversation to to come up with this sort of formula for ourselves that basically said first we have to trust our hearts and it's all subjective Mm -hmm. that's the first thing right the second thing is yes you have to take into consideration that it is being done for television but Say like um, Dancing with the Stars or something, or uh, or So You Think You Can Dance, which could really be done kind of in a concert situation mm-hmm. as well. This was a big debate. Do we do we judge this the same way? And we all decided, yeah, it's all on television. Right. So the rules the rules became just subjective. You know what what moves you? What touches you? What do you appreciate? And I think the one overwhelming rule was: Is it exceptional? There's so much good work now on TV. We're so, I'm so grateful, you know. Five, ten years ago, there were, we would sit at these uh, judgments and um, we'd go, Ooh, I'm not so sure, you know. Do we want to really give it to anybody, uh, you know? Now it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, we would like to give one to every single choreographer that's nominated. You yeah. Know? Uh, well, you know, I, I sit there and I think about that. Mandy Moore, who is nominated, she's mm-hmm. got two nominations, actually. Yeah. One for So You Think and one for Dancing with the Stars. But I've been saying all year, that opening number of Dancing with the Stars, none at uh, Griffith Park at the oh, Planetarium. Yeah. I said. Piece. Visually, I don't know how this wouldn't get nominated, honestly, because it was so spectacular. Yeah. I think she's going to win. By Beautiful the way. piece. I'm just throwing it out there. I do not vote in the choreography category. I am a TV Academy member, but different division. <laughs> uh, but if I could vote, check Mandy Moore. Um, <laughs> But uh, it, it is interesting to hear because it, it is a peer group. It is a panel. Um, so, again, because it's subjective, coming down to those those five. Do you guys have flexibility? You could do six. Could you possibly? Well, this is a situation. They have um, – there, there are first certain um, convenings of people who look at the massive submissions. 250, yeah. whatever. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It goes on and on and on. By the time it gets to us, we have the five nominees. Okay. So you're you're helping – to uh, yeah. get down to that five, and because of what, um, because of the um, the sort of award that we give, it's a judging panel award. Mm-hmm. So we can give to one choreographer or to five choreographers, and that's also difficult, you know, because then you're like, well, should we give it to three or should we give it to one? And then you have to think of the politics of television. And if we give it to three, is it going to look like we can't pick one or two or, you know? Well, I appreciate that there's it's there's really been tricky. ties. Because you had you had Cat Burns last year for a Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and you had Quest Crew for America's yeah. Best Dance Crew, which to me was like, hey, guys, all these are all vital, yeah. different types of styles because what Kat does on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is so specific. And oh, yeah. We've got Fred uh, Talixon in the mix this year, so, yeah. which is great. Um, Doing great work. Great yeah. work. I'm sorry that that show is canceled. Mm. I know, because it was really interesting. But, um, but uh, now, Quest Crew, really talking about dance crews are mm. here, and, you know, we see them all the time out here in Los Angeles, but I don't necessarily think mainstream 
you know, right. TV always gets the opportunity to see it unless there's an America's Best Dance Crew. So right. I was so thrilled that they yeah, won. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But we don't call them ties. It's actually... What, what do you call it? Two winners. It's not a tie. It's that person won and that person won. Fantastic. So it's two people in first place. It's not... It's But they're not tied. They're... Equal. They're equal winners. Yeah, so just two when Derek won words. with Travis and, and yeah. <laughs> Julianne and Tassandra, yeah. Yeah. you have two two re- yeah. winners of record. Exactly. exactly. Uh, there's been three winners of record, I think, too, in some years. A I, few years back, there were. Maybe. I want to say like 2006 or seven. Could I be. Have to go back. Yeah, yeah it's interesting when that happens, yeah. though. Yeah. So, have you guys met yet for the final? Yeah, we did. We did on Sunday. Oh, you did. Yeah. So it's official. Yeah, huh. it's all done. It's, it's all, all wrapped done. up. It's all at uh, Ernst and Young or whoever they are. Yeah. Was I close <laughs> with the winner? No. <laughs> I can't tell you that. Wink twice. I can't tell <laughs> you Manny's that. If Manny's getting an Emmy, <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> um, one oh. other thing that that I do want to ask. We're gonna have to wrap up soon. Believe it or not, I'm so sad about this because no. I could probably stay with you for another three hours. And, yeah. um, but. Dancers these days, uh, you know, the industry's changed tremendously. There's a lot when it comes to social media or having, you know, a YouTube presence and everything else. What is the one thing or two things that you wish dancers would know and sort of take a look back at at who's come before them? Um, Maybe some habits, technique things, um, even just like rehearsal etiquette. Well, you know, one thing that I'm hearing that seems to be a little pervasive out here, which has really disconcerted me, is that there's such a plethora of dance jobs now out there that dancers will audition and they'll take a job and then they'll audition for something else and decide to take that job and lead the first choreographer in the lurch. And this is a really horrible habit that started to happen out here. And it upsets me very much. I know it upsets the agents and it's certainly, it's never happened to me. I'm very fortunate that I've never had anybody leave a job for another job, but um, this is a bad, bad habit to do. Uh, if I want to give advice, I would say get into acting class mm. because more and more and more with this contemporary genre that's kind of become pervasive, um, dancers are being called on to elicit emotion. And I'm so sick of seeing angst in a 17-year-old, you know. <laughs> and, you know, it's only because they don't know where else to go. Right. And and even choreographers, the choreographers should get in an acting class so they know how to talk to the dancers and pull out the kind of performances they want. I think this is really essential. And knowing what it did for me and the career it gave me and, and the career that it's given a lot of other of my, my friends who were actors who became dancers or dancers who studied acting and see that they become a a full, well-rounded performer, not just a dancer, you know? I think acting class is absolutely essential. That's, That's cool. what I think is number one on the list. That's great advice. Because, we, you know, even if you just watch a, a show like So You Think You Can Dance, you do hear the judges quite a bit, you know, say, I wasn't feeling anything yeah. from you. The yeah. technique is gorgeous, but the rest is... Whoosh. Yeah. Well, you have kids that are either doing competition and they've got that fake smile on their face the whole time. I call time. them facials. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy. I am so happy. <laughs> you know, or you get those one the the kids that are doing a lot of the stuff on So You Think You Can Dance, and they're like so troubled and so. We pained. sound like dance moms a lot too. Like, <laughs> oh eight, yeah, the eight year old, the eight year old, and I'm like. <laughs> You have a good life, kiddo. Honey, you don't even know what angst is about, you know? <laughs> <Just wait. laughs> but that's what I think is really important. I mean, I, I, I think that the more you can be a, a, a well-rounded entertainer, performer, that, that this is where you really make your mark. And uh, to me, anytime you do anything in front of an audience, it's theater in some sense. Mm-hmm. And... I guess because I lived in the theater and was trained in the theater for so long, it's such a sacred place to me to do anything in front of an audience that it is almost your job as a shaman, so to speak, to transport this audience from the space that they're in to someplace greater. And that's what I try to do whenever I do work, whether it's commercial work or very sincere, deep work. I think that our job as choreographers and directors and dancers and performers is to take the audience 
make them forget where they are at that moment in time and transport them to someplace special. That's what pure art is about. And, and that's don't what we dance need it about. now more than ever, oh, too? Well, we always need it. But yeah, yeah we feels... could really use it now. Yeah, yeah. it's been a crazy little, little time. Um, I know you are working on a really great project that we just wanted to talk about, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm doing a beautiful project. Um, every once in a while, I get the opportunity to direct a charity benefit. And this is a beautiful one for a foundation called Ava's Heart. It is, we are doing a, a, an event on September 14th at the Taglian Complex in Hollywood, and it is to raise uh, money for um, transplant recipients who are at the top of the list. If you need to have a transplant and you need it badly, you need to be very close to the facility that will give you the transplant operation because when someone passes away, you have a very limited amount of time, usually around two hours, that if you're a recipient, you have got to be in that room and be on an operating table. Um, insurance doesn't pay for this for people. So there's people that come from not only in California but other states, and they have to be at UCLA. This woman, Ava Kaufman, went through a heart transplant. She was a dancer. She's back dancing again. She's in her early 60s. She's a single mom raising her 19-year-old daughter. And this is the second year she's held this event, and I'm honored to direct it. We're going to have some amazing actresses in there doing some monologues. Um, Jolie Fisher, okay. uh, Melissa, Melora Harden, um, Christy Farris. I have Jacob Jonas Dance Company is mm -hmm. going to do a piece. Um, my husband, Rene LaMontagne, put a band together, and he's singing the opening song. Love it. And uh, Tommy Coster and Maria Howell. Um, Tommy's a, a Grammy-winning pianist, and Maria got her career started singing in the movie Color Purple, and they are performing. It's going to be a really exciting evening, and I'm honored to be part of it. Oh, it sounds Thanks. really special. And is there a place where people can find more information? Do you Online, know? avasheart.com. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, this was a treat of my life. No. I got to tell you. And I know we've been trying to get together. <laughs> I think we were both sick in the I winter. Know. I don't even know what happened. So this has been a long time coming. But uh, please come back because Thank you have you. so many stories. Maybe when your book is out because you know Thank I'm going to be you, love. right there. First one in line. <laughs> Vincent, you better sign it. <laughs> and uh, I do really pull out Beat It as a party trick, so oh. I'm not kidding. <laughs> well, it's been wonderful, and thank you for the invitation, Kristen. Of course, of course. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us here on To The Point, presented by Popcorn Talk and Dance Network. We will be back next week. I've almost 100% confirmed the guest. It's a really good one, so stick around. I will certainly post it on Twitter. We will see you all next week. Yay. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.